Welcome, this is Couples Counseling for Parents, a show about couple relationships, how they work, why they don't, and what you can do to fix what's broken. Here are parents, our dad, Dr. Stephen Mitchell, and our mom, Ann Mitchell. Hello, and thanks for joining us today on Couples Counseling for Parents. I'm Dr. Stephen Mitchell. And I'm Erin Mitchell. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how couples can make it through devastating moments and hardship. That feels like a hard topic. It is a hard topic. Yeah. Um, it's not just a hard topic. And I, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I think I'm not. Maybe I am. I think because that sentence is two things, right? So like, yes, there has been hardship. Mm-hmm. Yes, there has been de- devastation. Yes, there must have um, sort of inherent in those things been moments where you thought you weren't going to make it as a couple. Yeah. But yeah. there is the making it. Right. That, that is true. So, so I think one of the things w- that we were kind of thinking about here too is, you know, I, I think it, relationships are beautiful and they're hard. Uh, the, like both are true. Um, and there's, there's, you know, moments where, you know, your day to day is hard or, um, or it's not, or it feels great, but kind of what we're talking about, I think more specifically today is, um, those moments that, where it feels like sort of storm clouds roll in and sort of just blot out uh, the joy and the beauty. Um, and, and or it's threatened just, to. Yeah, or threatened to. And it's just some, you know, dark moments. And, and, I, and I, I think that, you know, every, every couple experiences um, dark moments um, together. You know, it can be, um, I think I think it's important to say too that moments there I think is yeah the moments that could be weeks months years yeah. I mean it can be you yeah. know uh, it, yeah it's, it's not something it doesn't necessarily mean something brief um, but you know like it, it could be you know pregnancy loss infertility you know death of a uh, family death of a child uh, a chronic or terminal diagnosis substance abuse leaving a community starting over there's all these moments or or experiences that could feel really dark and heavy, kind of like a storm um, has moved into your couple relationship Um, and, and being in that place and being parents as well. uh, It can, it can feel really, really hard. And then the question is, well, what do we, what do we do? Like, how, how do we, how do we make it through this? Because I think what you are saying is you can make it through these times. Absolutely. And I think, um, well, a few things. I I think we should jump in. But I do think how I tend to do, I think we should check in because I know for a fact that I just became very aware of a pit in my stomach kind of feeling. Yeah, It's heavy. And and when you started that list of things that could have happened or, Mm -hmm. you know, that people experience, I thought we could say a long list. Because people go through a lot of things. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things, one of the reasons we, we were thinking about doing this podcast too, is I th- you had, like, we've just heard, like, you well, know, I can we, tell you. Yeah. So we've, it's, you know, last week was the beginning of November. It's the entrance of the holiday season. Um, and that's a, a heavy time for a lot of families. It's a, it's exciting. Um, you know, most of our community here is, like the parenting community and we want to make it magical for our kids yeah. and um, and we and it and it often is it's a magical time and 
it can be heavy and hard and it can bring up some grief and loss or it can point out people who aren't at the table or, you know, um, and people who that are no longer <laughs> exist tough. or, yeah, yeah, or the people who are at the table. But, yeah. But, but I th- and so I did, I did a post this week on, um, if we can make it through blank, we can make it through everything. And people have reached out overwhelmingly just with brief bits of their own stories and yeah, the things they're trying to make it through. Yeah. The things they have made it through, the things yeah. they're making get through still and the things there's worry. What if we can't, what if yeah. this is too much? And I think that that is what we wanted to focus on. Um, that there are moments where I think most couples worry mm-hmm. this yeah. might be too much for yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, we have known that. We have sat with plenty of couples who have been in that moment. Um, and I think that yeah. that moment gets glossed over a lot. I So I think a lot of couples come to that moment and think, well, other people just don't get here. Yeah. Like, or you just try to push through it and get by it. And it, and it's a, it's a thing that just sort of sits in the pit of the stomach of your relationship yeah. for, for, you know, Ever. for the, yeah, for the relationship. And, and that can um, also, uh, you know, divide. Bring, yeah. And disconnection. bring disconnection mm-hmm. and barriers. And so kind of, um, you know, but I do think point out, how are you feeling coming yeah. into this? Um, yeah. Just sort of check back in with yourself, locate yourself in this moment, ground yourself, put your feet on the floor, whatever it is you do um, to get ready for a conversation like this. Um, we yeah. hope it won't be overwhelmingly dark. We And it might be for you. Um, so just be aware and take your time. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think, again, this is about how how to make it. Right. Um, you know, there that is that is the desire. And so. I, you know, kind of thinking, you know, we always kind of talk about like a, a case example or, or, you know, potential scenario. And so, you know, I, I think we want to kind of jump into that right now. And so th- this is, um, you know, a case example, you know, have you experienced something like this, you know, right? Like it's, it, um, or something reminiscent of it, you know, what, again, as Aaron, you know, like to say, like, where does, where does this take you? Um, and so, Kind of the case example is, you know, uh, Ben and Letitia, um, they've been together for 10 years and they spent uh, the first five years of their relationship trying to get pregnant and struggling with infertility. And then finally through IVF, um, they were able to get pregnant and have Q, who is now five years old. And just recently, Letitia's sister called her and let her know that she had received a cancer diagnosis and that she needed to begin chemotherapy immediately. And her sister's prognosis was unclear, and the physicians um, said that they would know more after uh, Letitia's sister completed the first uh, course of her chemo treatment, which was going to you know, take the next two months. And Ben and Letitia both feel really devastated by this news. They're close with Letitia's sister and family, and Q loves his auntie and cousins. And Letitia also notices that she is feeling strangely overwhelmed by the news And it's bringing up a lot of memories of her and Ben's infertility journey. And there's something about having to undergo treatment for months, uncertainty about outcomes, the threat of things not working out, the threat of losing someone or losing a pregnancy. And it just sort of is is all flooding back into her awareness. And she feels really confused by this. And she doesn't want to be selfish, you know, by uh, thinking about her loss and experience. She wants to focus on her sister, but she just can't. She just can't get it out of her, out of her mind or out of her feelings. Um, 
And she tells Ben this, and he understands, but he he doesn't feel the, the same the same way, or as if he's in the same place as Letitia. And in fact, he feels a little angry that she's falling back into her depression and anxiety about Q, um, and he and the infertility journey. And he just keeps thinking, you know, isn't this something we made it through? Why is she making this situation worse by thinking about all of it? And he finds that he just wants Letitia to stop talking about their infertility journey and just focus on helping her sister. And Letitia understands this, and, and she, but she can't ignore what's happening for her. And as the days and weeks go on, she feels that she just has to keep her feelings to herself because Ben doesn't want to hear it. Ben feels like he has to stay away from Letitia because he feels like she's always trying to drag him down um, even further into old wounds and, and old struggles. And, and it, this is happening in a time when they really feel like they need each other and they don't feel close. And in fact, they, they feel like the other one is making it worse. And that's where they find themselves. I, sorry. Are you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like that is a very relatable sentence. Not only like in this time when what you want more than anything is to be able to turn to your partner and, and feel shoulder to shoulder, even like hand in hand, like, okay, we can mm-hmm. do this. A lot of times they couples find it's not only not that mm-hmm. it's you are making me feel more alone yeah. or, um, yeah, and the and kind of the the stormy moments when you want support, you f- you feel alone. Yes, grief is a lonely endeavor. Mm-hmm. It is um, because no one doesn't matter if the same thing is happening to two people. It's not. It's still an individual's experience and yeah. story, and um, so it it already is a lonely thing. Y- yeah, and then but- add to it extra isolation and it can really be the thing that feels like if you were ever supposed to be here for me it's now yeah or not well and i and i think that that's a, you know ideally like you know how would a couple kind of come into this dark moment you know this stormy time and and how would things work you know and it would be that you know both would feel like they have the space uh, you know to grieve they would both feel really mutually supported um, they would feel understood, um, you know, all of those, all of those things that everyone wants in those moments right. that that would be happening. But, but so oftentimes it, it, it doesn't because of that, um, individual isolating experience that is grief. Mm-hmm. Um, no one can experience a loss or a difficult time the same way. Uh, and, and that's confusing. <laughs> that is that's really confusing for, for couples and for partners, because it's like, it, it's our life. We're, we're living the same thing. How do you feel differently about it than me or, or whatever it might be? And, and that's where the, the disconnect happens. And then the, that's where also the hurt happens and the further kind of loneliness and, and those kinds of things. I, yeah. I also think, uh, the, why they don't is because nothing happens to just one person in a couple relationship. Letitia, in this example, her sister's news is, of course, about her sister. Sure. But Letitia's story lives in her body. Right. (laughs) And we can't just all of a sudden have that not be the case. Yeah. So is Letitia being selfish? I I thought that was actually a really good word to use so we could address it, because I do think that's a very common feeling. 
it's of course that's not of, yeah. of course it's entirely human and what yeah. happens in our bodies grief touches grief, grief. Yeah. yes yeah. it just does and um we don't like that we don't want that to be the case and, sorry and i would actually say that that when grief stirs grief that is your spirit and your heart seeking to connect with the grief. So actually, I think Letitia feels confused here. She's she's like, it's it's stirring this this grief, and and that's keeping me from connecting with my sister. That's keeping me from really empathizing with her. And I and and I think what I would say is no that that is happening because you are you are trying. To empathize, like if you notice what she was, what she was remembering is well, she's that, not even trying. She just she is. is. She is. Like, yes, it yes, just exactly. Is. It is because yeah. she's thinking of you know, it, it's not the same thing. But she knows what it's like to to experience months of treatment, to not know what the outcome would be, to to have this hope that the treatment will help, but then also this fear that it's not going to make any difference. You know, like like that's that's how her grief is allowing her to connect with her sister. But that, that can be really confusing. It, yes, I, I, I did like that addition. Um, and then the next part of it, I think, is, um, I forget, Ben. Ben, yeah. Feeling angry about that. Yeah. Because. Which is his grief. Yes, <laughs> that is Ben's grief. That is Ben's overwhelming terror that he will lose Letitia to yeah, her grief. Yeah, like, that'll go back to that that stormy time yeah. like oh no we're we're in a stormy time right now mm-hmm. i don't i remember being in one before and i don't want to go back there or i just don't want you to yeah yeah i, I mean exactly, I, yeah. I think of our own stories of this there's been a yeah lot. that's generally my fear in any kind of yeah. you know i don't want yeah you don't say yeah i i don't i think that i uh, um I just have a tendency and, you know, maybe not, it's just for me, I think when hard things come or there's, there's grief, like what I worry about is you being overwhelmed and then you kind of in that place, like disappearing or or being, getting super depressed or or whatever it might be. You losing me to my grief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And that's worrisome for sure. Yes. So you, Ben, you. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah, I can feel like that. Stop doing that. Don't do that. Like, mm-hmm. stay here, it, which I think is really what he's saying. He's saying, stay here with me. Yes. But it comes out as anger. Like, why are you doing that? Why would you? And and I think in that, why would you want to stir this up and go back there? I think really in there, there's the question of why would you want to leave me? Mm-hmm. But these things so oftentimes are hard to see. They are right? hard to see. And honestly, even the way you presented the case example, which I thought, I mean, obviously you have to present it this way, but it is way more articulate than we are aware. Um, oh, in the most, moment, yeah, for sure. Most yeah, people, yeah, yeah. when they're feeling that, like we have no idea why we're suddenly crying about this. Like you were able to connect so much. Um, sure. That yeah, yeah. usually takes quite a few um, sessions, frankly, yeah. to be able to connect or at least, you know, some sort of processing. I don't, it doesn't have to be therapy or counseling or something, but um, we don't know that it's hard to yeah. connect those, you know, the thread in the moment, but it, it's true. Right. <laughs> that is what we're doing in our bodies are instantly connected to our own grief, to our own stories, to our own fears, to our, 
to our people. (laughs) And I I think the thing that in grief, when couples experience grief, I, I think inherently, again, grief is isolating. And, and I think that it, it would make, it makes all the sense in the world that when there's grief, when there's these dark stormy moments that a couple feels isolated because that what they're feeling is their grief, not because I think what can get confusing is, well, what I'm feeling is your lack of support or your lack of what, you know, there, you can start kind of looking at your partner and being like, um, there's something wrong with us or there's something wrong with you or whatever it might be. And, and I, and I would just encourage couples, don't look at each other, look at grief right. and say, Oh my goodness, look at what grief is inviting us to look at what grief is stirring up. It's stirring up the fear and the loneliness and the, you know, all those things that is part of grief. Um, I do think that part of grief also is the, is kind of in the in the healing process is the is the feeling of coming together and grieving together but i but i think that what happens is couples feel the isolation and loneliness of grief because right. that's what it is right um and that can be con- that can be confusing um oh yes you know and 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 so in, in a sense you know it's it's like so this this process happens you know this process is happening for Ben and Letitia they feel separated and apart you know, what, like, what do they do? You and your dark stormy moment right now, or even before, like, what, what do you do? But because I do think that there's an aspect of this, couples can go through dark and stormy times, not really feel resolved in it at all, but look back at it and come to a place of feeling resolved. So maybe you've gone through a moment and you don't feel resolved with your partner, but you and your partner still can look back at it and come to a place of resolution together. I think a really good way to know if something should be brought up is your willingness to do so. I think when we aren't okay to talk about a moment or if a story feels like, nope, that yeah. will un, you know unpack too many mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. probably it hasn't been resolved. Um, sort of Ben here saying like, Leave the past in the past. Yeah. That very much means the past is quite present. Yeah. Um, and not because it's ever really exciting to talk about. You just called it a dark and stormy, which I thought was funny. Um, <laughs> a dark and stormy moment. Um, no, it, it, it's not like you. It, it's not like if you can't be excited to talk about some of the darkest nights of your life that there's something wrong with you or you aren't resolved in it. I don't mean right. that, but there, like your willingness, um, Stephen, you know, talks about like, um, a cohesive autobiographical narrative, like being able to not feel like you have to rip stories out, that you can talk about them in a way where you won't. They're not so charged. And yes. Overwhelming. Yes. And it doesn't mean it won't be sad and it doesn't mean it mm-hmm. won't stir emotions. Like that's, that is not what I'm trying to say, but you can, um, it, you, you can open up a story and feel like I can put this away now and still be okay. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think those are important. It's important to be able to tell your stories yeah. um, and, indip- individually and as a couple. Yeah. And, and so part of, part of it is, is kind of thinking about, you know, so, I, so if this is a moment that's passed and we want to kind of think about it to try to bring some resolution or a moment that we're in. We want to think about it like what what are what are some good things to hold on to um, 
I might put it that way because I, I think it's a little, I think it, it's a little uh, silly or tried to be like, so here's a formula, right? Because grief is, is a strange thing and everyone's process is a strange thing. Um, and so I think what we're kind of recommending to do here is like, hold on to some of these things that we're going to mention and then apply them as you see fit in your relationship. Um, some might really fit well for you. Some might not, some might not. So I, I think that, that that's more of how I'd want to like, uh, describe. Uh, so what do you do? How do you make it through? Um, and I, and I think one of the things that I would say is the, one of the things to hold on to is to hold on to moments when you have felt that your partner is with you is someone who is safe and trustworthy. You might not feel like it in your grief, but can you locate moments where you know something else to be true, right? Because I think that that's another thing that grief does. It's like this fog that comes up and it makes it really hard to see. And and you start l- seeing your partner as someone who's not trustworthy, someone who's not supportive, someone who's not understanding, someone who's not with you. And that that is, can be true. Yeah. And that could be yeah. true. That could be true. And we have if, had moments for, for ourselves where that has been true, right, but right. that does not make it the truth. Right. And so what you're looking for is like, but on trend and, and you're right. Uh, and on trend, like, are there moments where my partner has been with me, where I do know that they support me, where I know that I can trust them, where we have faced something together and gotten through it um, and to I, locate sure. those moments, I think. And I, I just think it's worth repeating, <laughs> but that does not take away the moments no, yeah. where you don't not feel like that. But I do think almost every couple we've ever sat with who has experienced something like this. And honestly, even in some of our darkest times, you feel like we aren't okay because we should, if ever we should be there for each other, it's now and we're not like right. you're not with me. Right. Um, there must be something wrong with us or mm-hmm. this is um, irreconcilable. Like I can yeah. never get over this. I will mm-hmm. never forget this, those moments. And they happen for almost everyone experiencing something dark, something hard, something impossible, yeah. even well, honestly. Well, I think a moment we've shared before, and I, I think even for Ben and Letitia, right? So Ben, Ben and Letitia, in a, for all intents and purposes, we're going to say, you know, they made it through that infertility journey. They did that together. They were there. They they had that experience of being there together. I think for Aaron and I, like one of our f- like foundational moments was when we um, our first pregnancy loss, um, where that was a really 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 hard moment. And we have had really 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 hard moments since then. But th- at least for me, that's always sort of like an anchoring moment. Like you know what, we made it through that. We made it through that. We can we can find that again. And, and even though. We had another pregnancy loss later on in our relationship, and and that wasn't that that was a much harder moment in terms of we didn't feel relationally, yeah, mm-hmm. connected. And but that still didn't dismiss or disprove that anchor moment. And so I think that that's what we're talking about here. You know, what are some of those anchor moments where you've said like, man, if we can. If we've made it through this, we can make it through anything. Or like, man, I love who we are right now. I love how we're doing this um, together. I think that that's something in these in these moments that you you look to to hold on to. Um, and you know, that's that's what I would say. Do you have it? 
I well, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of flooded with thoughts and feelings, honestly. Yeah. Um, As you might be yeah, listening to yeah, this, so I, that, that's okay. Like, take a breath, hit the pause button, turn it <laughs> off. You know, like, kind of collect and gather yourself. Well, that's if you one of the things to. I was going to say. Like, not. I don't think you're speaking um, abstractly here. I think you're saying really know your anchoring moments. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, 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 yes. You need, yeah, find them. Every couple has them. So just like, know they exist for you. Like what are yours? Yeah. Start at the beginning. And and like, what are the moments that feel like that to you? And the other thing I was thinking, and I think we've talked about this, but I think it's worth noting too. Like these aren't just good ideas. I mean, you researched this. Um, Like you did an entire, that um, is true. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, that is true. You want me to say more about that? I do. I think okay. it's, I think it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for for my for my PhD, um, I researched specifically um, a couple's experience of pregnancy loss, and then subsequently, it also turned into a little uh, research on uh, a couple's experience of infertility as well. And um, in my in my research, like kind of some of these, well, all these, these conclusions or these things that we're talking about hanging on to, uh, these are the things that came out of it, um, out of talking with couples and interviewing them and, um, you know, uh, lots of pages of interviews and, and, and looking through them. And so, this is, so, yeah. so yeah. And, and so from that research, yes, but, but then also just in working with, sure. you know, couples for, you know, 15 years and those kinds of things, like these are things that, um, uh, have come to to believe are 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 important to hang on to. So so yes. finding your but this anchoring is moments. like your actual area of expertise. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, it feels like my life expertise, but this is also your academic sure. expertise. Sure. And I and I do think it's important. Um, it's been important for us. I think it it matters. Yeah. Yeah. So and so, like, and so t- you know um finding those anchoring moments. I think the the second thing or second area to hang on to, these are not like linear in any way, but they're just, we're kind of listing them mm-hmm. like this, um, is this idea of taking turns. And, and I think that what that simply means is you, it's hard for in a couple relationship for both partners to feel overwhelmed. And, and oftentimes what happens is one partner feels like they need to step up, uh, and kind of do the practical things of life, right? Like go to work, uh, clean the house, uh, get the kids here to there. Um, and usually what happens is when that one partner steps up and the other partner, um, maybe struggles. Uh, and I think that it's important to take turns doing that. I, I think where couples can get into, challenges or difficulty is when those there's not a taking turns where just one partner steps up, another partner struggles, and then they both again experience what grief does, right? It isolates. It makes you feel lonely. It makes you feel like no one understands. And so I think, um, you know, the couples that I've talked to and we've talked to that seem to be able to navigate these moments, it's when there is a a sense of, you know what, like I can step, I've got the energy here to step up. You can kind of fall apart. I've, and, and it's not, you know, sometimes it's as blunt as that, like, Hey, I need, you know, I, I need this or not. Or, and sometimes it just happens naturally. um, kind of in the flow of the relationship. Um, but that idea that you both do need time 
and space to grieve, and you can't judge how the other person is doing it. I think is another th- another thing in that. I think the way that that works, I think the idea of taking turns and not being judgmental about the way your partner is grieving or the way their grief is looking is when that is an out loud narrative. Yeah. I think that um, when couples try to do this without saying some things, it doesn't mean you have to um, have a lot of words um, because I think a lot of times we don't. <laughs> grief right. is one of those things where it can feel or it, actually is in crisis and we don't have perspective in crisis you're making it through um but to be able to say something about what your experience is at present because otherwise um you know any anything your partner's doing can look like a movement away from your present or away from themselves mm -hmm. or away from grief or away from you or just away um when really it, it very likely is just the opposite. Yeah. And, and again, within how people grieve, um, I think some of the, you know, recognizing, um, differences there. So, so for example, I think about like, well, I think one of the ways I grieve is by just like doing things, um, or being, um, I, I don't necessarily w- want to sit and look through pictures or, <laughs> Um, that's a real example. Yeah. Or, or remember in that way, what I want to do is I want to be moving and talking or moving and, and, and feeling like maybe I'm doing something that connects me to, to the grief or connects me to myself. So it could be like being outside. Um, it's important to be outside because that helps me feel connected to myself, which then could, give me the ability to be connected to my grief. Whereas if I wasn't, I, I, I couldn't connect to myself. Thus I couldn't connect to my grief and, and just the, everyone like doing it differently. I, I think, you know, you might like to look at pictures or, um, you know, it, it, uh, understanding that there's, there's differences. You and don't have again, to cry to grieve. Right. Right. Yeah. And then again, communicating like this is part of my grief. Yeah. You know, and talking about that as partners, not like you're not grieving. Are you grieving? I don't think you're grieving because you're not doing this. Well, that's not really fair. Right. I think this is tricky, too, because we do all have pictures in our mind of someone who was grieving. So mm-hmm. um, like I, we've shared before or I've shared before, I guess, um, I grew up with a dad who um was later when I was in college, he was diagnosed with bipolar, but growing up, I didn't know that. So when he would have um, seasons where he was very depressed, it was really scary. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really like that. And the idea of like, let's just be sad about something felt really threatening. Um, So even how when Steven's like, I just want to sit around and cry and looks at me, I'm like, I guess I do like to do that. That feels weird because it doesn't feel like anything I would have ever thought I would like to do. Yeah. Um, Not that anyone likes to do that, but that that would be soothing for me. Yeah. Um, But I I think it's just important. I, I, I think I say this. 45 times a minute, it feels like, but to know the story, to know what you're afraid of in grief, to know what, you know, I know what someone sad looked like, or I know what someone angry looked like, and I don't really want to be that person, or I don't want to do that, or I'm afraid to bring this up because I'm afraid I'll lose you, or I don't want to fall apart, or someone has to keep things going. I'm afraid if I cry, I'll never stop, or I don't know. It doesn't really matter what, what your story 
what you how you would fill that in. It just right. matters that you're able to identify it and know it and that your partner is aware of that. Yeah, and that that you're that you might say to them, "Hey, you know something that's important to me um is like and this is for me. I, I honestly just I, I think about it for myself. Like something that's important for me is as I've said this already, is to physically move my my body. Um, whether that's exercising or being outside doing something, like that's important. So in grief, it's useful to me to do those things. But what it could look like is if I'm sitting there, you know, making sure I get a run in every day in the midst of a really dark moment in grief, Aaron can see that as like he doesn't care. Look, he's just taking all this this time for himself because, and I'm sitting here grieving and he's leaving me and he just doesn't care. But if I'm able to communicate, hey, like one of the things that I think is really helping me grieve or connect to myself right now is if I do this, um, I want you to know that. Can we like talk about like what that could look like for for me to do that so that you don't feel, you know, like don't don't feel that way you know like right. voicing those things uh, yes I, I think just as long as those things are um taken from the inside to the outside yeah, yeah. um is, is tremendously helpful yeah and so again just knowing that everyone has to take turns um uh, in in their grieving and you and you need to communicate what that looks like and and who needs what and i need i want to grieve in this way i want to grieve in this way okay how, how do we do that mm-hmm. um and then I, I think one of the the final things to, to kind of hold on to is this idea of accepting the contradictions that are present in grief. And, and what I mean by that is, again, going back to that idea, you and your partner experience grief differently, individually. Your experiences are not the same. And... Oftentimes in grief, what creates challenges is partners are looking for sameness. I'm crying. I want you to cry. I'm moving on. I want you to move on. I'm, you know, wh- whatever it might be. And when they feel like their partner has a contradicting experience, oftentimes the energy is spent trying to make it the same. And I think that couples that do well in grief and make it through these times, they say they, they are accepting of those contradictions and saying, your experience isn't mine. Mine isn't yours. But what I do want is I want to understand your experience. And I don't want to feel pressure to have the same experience as you, you do. And I want you to understand mine. And I don't want to make you feel pressure to feel mine either. And there's, there's just this spirit of acceptance which helps the couple feel united. I again feel like a broken record one and two, the way that we can accept that contradiction is when we understand it. I think that the pressure for sameness has everything to do with feeling like your experience is being threatened. Yeah. So it's, it's like, you're trying to rush me. Yeah. Don't do that. Like, yeah. why don't you slow down? Like, well, no, I just want to be able to grieve. I'm not trying for you not to be able to grieve or whatever, but right. like, don't tell me what to do yeah, or and, how to be or how to feel in and, this moment. And so what this looks like is Ben and Letitia. Ben saying, you know what? I think I'm realizing that I'm getting angry because I'm afraid I'm going 
to lose you. And yes. I'm wanting you to just be where I am in the same place so that I don't feel that. And, and Letitia being able to, to say, I'm not trying to pull you down here. I'm not trying to not think about my sister. In fact, I, I don't know why this is happening, but I think it's happening because it's stirring up my grief and that's connecting me to my sister. Like, and, and so I need to be able to talk about these things. I need to be able to share them. And, and I want you to know that so that you don't feel threatened by it. Like this isn't about you. This is about me trying to connect to my grief. And, and in that way, what they're, what they're doing is there's been reflection for them to understand what's going on for themselves. The connection piece is that they're sitting there sharing it, kind of clarifying it. And then the, the place of action is that accepting those contradictions and saying, yeah, okay. Like I want to, okay. Like if you need to talk about it, I want to be here to talk about it. Um, and I, I need, and if you need to be affirmed and know that I'm not sitting there trying to pull you back down into, I, I want, I'll be sure to like clarify that, you know, uh, when, when we do talk about it. I think it's really important in the cycle of grief. And this will be the last thing I say to remember that grief touches grief. Yeah. So you may feel like you are through something. You might even feel like I'm over it until a completely unrelated thing happens or related doesn't really matter. And all of a sudden it's stirred back up because grief right. touches grief. Yeah. And, and that makes you normal. That makes you a person with a body and a story and a heart and a yeah. mind. Yeah. It, it makes you a whole being. And there are specific things about your story that can be really helpful to know. I've, I've been thinking while we've been talking, I found out separate, like 15 years apart from each other, um, that both of my parents died through a phone call. And I can be very activated by a simple phone call. If I get a phone call that feels like out of the blue, like why would that person be calling me right now? My body can go into sure. absolute overdrive. It happened not yeah. long ago for us where it was Stevenson. Actually, I was like, why would they be calling right now? Like, yeah. what is it? You need to get that. I need you to get that. You should get that. Why don't you get that? Yeah. And yeah. then I had a whole moment. Um, yeah. And by yeah. moment, I mean a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but I think those are those are things that are very helpful to know. to know, yeah, yeah. To, um, for everyone to know, um, so that when those d specific things do happen, everyone knows where things might be going and people can yeah. be aware of that. Um, yeah. Just those types of things. But of, of course, grief is always going to touch grief. Yeah. And so, so again, holding some of these things in your awareness, finding those anchor moments, trying to navigate what it looks like for you and your partner to take turns. Um, and then also accepting the contradictions that are in grief, um, accepting one another's experience, not um, angling for sameness. And, and I think that, you know, conceptually, I think that those, that's the way couples can make it through this. I think practically, you know, how do you, how do you do that? Well, you can have these conversations, you know, you and your partner can sit down and listen to this podcast, talk through it. We also do have um, a workshop on uh, coping and loss uh, on our website at couples counseling uh, And, and you can uh, in that workshop, there are guided questions and reflection questions that can walk you and your, your partner through this. And so, so if you want something even more practical, even more hands-on, um, that, that could be a great resource as well. Um, but I, I think again, 
these, these dark moments, these stormy moments do happen in couple relationships. And there is a way uh, for you and your partner um, to make it through and for you and your partner to feel like you are connected and maybe even that this moment um, can be one of those moments that anchors you in, in the trust and the belief uh, and the affirmation um, of the goodness of your relationship. Not because you're grateful for the loss or the grief, but simply because that's, um, that is what your relationship, that's the journey your relationship has come to and walked through in the midst of this grief. Do you and your partner want to connect? grow as a team, and communicate in a way that helps you both feel understood and close? Our Couples Counseling for Parents membership is made for you. Get a weekly worksheet to help guide your conversation with your partner on topics like resentment, creating a family mission statement, navigating parenting differences, and much more. You'll also get access to our members-only podcast, where we answer your questions and interview other couples so that you can hear their stories, know that you're not alone, and learn from what's worked for them. We also are adding to our library of workshops each month, and the membership gives you unlimited access to the library. If you and your partner want to be intentional about connecting and being close, our membership is what you need. Go to couplescounselingforparents.com and join today. Today's show was produced by Aaron and Stephen Mitchell. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the follow button and leave us a rating. This helps our content become more visible to others who might enjoy it, and it lets us know how we can keep improving the show. And as always, we're grateful for you listening. Thanks so much for being with us here today on Couples Counseling for Parents. And remember, working on a healthy couple relationship is good parenting.